can Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios, this is The Press Box with Grady and Bischoff. Well, I wonder if we have anything to talk about today. This will be a slow one. Ed, Tyler, Jared, might as well start it. The First Bite. So, John Gruden. (laughs) Reaction. Here's what we got from the New York Times yesterday. Uh, More emails from John Gruden that were sent to Bruce Allen, who was working with the Washington football team at the time. Uh, These emails spanned from 2011 all the way up until 2018, three years ago. Uh, He called Roger Goodell a gay slur, also called him a clueless anti-football blank. Uh, He denounced the emergence of women as referees in the NFL, denounced the drafting of a gay player and the tolerance of players protesting during the playing of the national anthem. Gruden also said that Goodell should not have pressured Jeff Fisher, who was the coach of the Rams at the time, to draft, used another homophobic slur in a reference to Michael uh, Sam, a gay player who was chosen by the Rams in 2014. Uh, Gruden also criticized Goodell in the league for trying to reduce concussions and said that Eric Reed, a player who had demonstrated during the playing of the national anthem, should be fired. Gruden also exchanged emails with Bruce Allen and other men that included photos of women wearing only bikini bottoms. This included one photo of two Washington football team cheerleaders, which brings another layer into this entire situation because the Washington football team and Dan Snyder had a whole issue with how they were treating their cheerleaders, including taking them to other countries to do photo shoots, taking away their passports, making them do topless shoots for executives within Washington. Apparently, John Gruden received at least one of those photos. Yeah, so uh, we pretty much know why John Gruden resigned uh, and stepped away. Um, Yesterday was interesting. We talked to John Gruden yesterday for his annual, uh, excuse me, his weekly uh, press conference after a game. Gave no indication, uh, was asked by Tashawn Reed uh, what he had learned. We're going to get Tashawn on at 9.30 from The Athletic. And he said that he had learned some things. He wasn't going to go into it, which wasn't a surprise. He said the last two days that he just wasn't going to talk about it anymore. So I don't think the answer was a surprise. But I, there was no other there was no other decision to make here. I mean, everything that came out in the New York Times, you had to move on from him. Mark Davis went to the facility yesterday, met with him in the afternoon, and this came out that he had resigned we weren't in those conversations. I don't know if he was allowed to resign. If I think it, when a move was going to be made one way or the other, I think it was the best move for all involved. And it's you know it's too bad this happened in terms of the organization because we all know about what happened to Mark Bedane and others recently. And now you have a coach who did this did this. So things are a bit of a mess over there at the uh, at the facility. And I, I don't know what happens from now. Rich, uh, Rich Bisaccia, the special teams coordinator, becomes the head coach for the end of the season to, through the next 12 games. But um, it's a mess over there right now in terms of what's going on. Mark Davis has now failed this community twice in about three weeks. He let Steve Wynn light the torch before a game. He honored somebody who is a sexual predator. And Mark Davis's reasoning was, well, he helped me get a $2 billion stadium, so I'm going to honor him. I don't care what he did in his past, right? Complete failure to this community to be the first person to even put Steve Wynn back in the public eye, right? Complete failure. And then he let John Gruden coach on Sunday, despite having these emails, right? The first email that was leaked we that we knew about publicly was 
John Gruden calling DeMore Smith, Dumboris Smith, and saying he had lips as big as Michelin tires, right? There was some racist tropes that were involved in there, but you could maybe get around it. John Gruden offered up a, a reasoning behind it. Why he would say he's got Michelin tire lips, right? It was like, okay, if that's the only thing, yeah, I guess you can figure out a way to get around that. But Mark Davis in the Raiders statement said that they had other materials last Friday. These are the other materials. We now we have now seen the other materials. And this is it. Homophobia, misogynistic emails from John Gruden, right? He's hating on the players for taking a knee during the anthem. He's criticizing Roger Goodell for trying to get concussions out of the game. Yeah. Mark Davis had all this and yeah. let John Gruden coach on Sunday. That is a complete yeah. failure to this community. And here's the thing. I don't want to hear ever again how the Raiders are some inclusive organization and how they've done all this great stuff in the past. They don't anymore. Not with Mark Davis in charge. Not when you let Steve Wynn light the torch. And three weeks later, you're letting John Gruden coach after those emails. Yeah, we talked about the other day. Why did they wait on this? Um, I don't know the answer to that because Mark Davis, the only thing we've gotten from Mark Davis so far are two statements. The first one last week and then yesterday I've accepted his resignation. I can't tell you why they waited if they had all these emails. And you know... Absolutely, the minute the league provided them, they read them. I mean, you need to know what's in those emails. Yeah, it's not like, the Raiders. It's not not like, like you, you got the email saying, hey, here's some emails you need to look yeah, at we'll, from your we'll coach. We'll look at it later. Yeah, we'll get to yeah, it next no. week. I mean, they read the emails right away. They knew it was in there. I can't believe for a second they didn't know if the first one came out that these wouldn't come out. I mean, they knew at some point the league uh, – look, if the league is sending these to the Raiders, then – People are sending them to other people, and eventually it's going to get to the media, and it got to the New York Times, and they went over these emails and, and reported it. So I can't tell you why Mark Davis uh, let him coach on Sunday. I think it was a grave mistake to do that, and I agree with you on that for sure. I did, I mean, we were talking about this yesterday at the, at the newspaper. That was one of the things, the first thing that people brought up. It's like, why did they wait on this? This doesn't make any sense to have waited. If they knew, and I believe they did, all of what he said over a seven-year period from 2011 over seven-year period in all of these emails. Yeah, because as soon as everybody saw the New York Times story yesterday, the immediate reaction was, well, John Gruden's done. There's Absolutely. no way John Gruden can still be the coach of the Raiders after you read that New York Times story yesterday. And the only person who saw those emails and didn't think that was apparently Mark Davis. Mark Davis waited until there was a public, until it was public, to make this move. Well, to force this move, I guess technically Gruden resigned here. That's that's not good enough from an owner. That's not good enough from somebody who is one of the most important people in this community. We gave him $750 million to build a stadium, put him in basically full control of that stadium. And this is how he reacts. This is how he handles tough situations. That's not good enough from somebody who's supposed to be a leader in this community. That is not good enough for Mark Davis. No, no, I agree with you. I uh, We didn't read the emails. I told Jared before the show... Uh, had the sinus problems yesterday, maybe taking a little nap. Adam Hill waking me. Nine one one, call me immediately. I'm like, call me. And I had somewhat of an idea what had happened when I saw the nine one one, call me immediately. So I picked it up, and uh, the first thing he said is, uh, "He'll be gone." Yeah, has to be. <laughs> it was like an automatic yeah. when you read the story. There's no now. Okay, the Raiders has an organization. You mentioned a little bit there, Mark Bedane resigned earlier mm -hmm. this year in the summer. But they also had on top of that, at basically the same time, the uh, CFO and the club controller right. resigned as well. I'm assuming they're completely separate issues here. But what what's happening with this team? Like, is this a competent organization? You mean separate issues between this and Gruden? Oh, yeah, I assume oh, yeah, so, yeah, yes. Yeah, no question. Is this a competent organization? Like, what's happening well, with this team? I mean, I go back to Bedane and the, and the two... Um, 
the two uh, financial people to where I think that's more of is it a competent organization? I don't know. Look, you hired John Gruden, you brought him back. He obviously loves John Gruden, loves him like a brother, gave him that much money. I don't think I think this is part is far more in John Gruden. And this this is seven years of emails that he sent to uh, a couple buddies of his that I don't know. And you can tell me what you think here in terms of how I don't know how much vetting of John Gruden was done. My guess is very little, right? Because and, they he knew him. Like I said, this is like a brother to him. So I don't know if he really do, did a deep dive into. Hey, by the way, is there anything in your past that might come up here? Because I know you so well. I don't believe that. I think this part of it is. 100% on John Gruden. This is his emails. This is what he said over time. These are his words. Um, now, you can make the argument maybe they should have vetted it more and said, is there anything out there? I don't know if they would ever found that out uh, because I think when they hired him, the investigation of the Washington team had not begun. No, so, no. This is, this is all. The, yeah, so, the reason these emails are out has, is the recent investigation right, into the exactly. trainer. Like, this is the, the DEAs looking at yeah. the Washington football team. Right. So, by the way, which is we can get into that, the other – Part of this story is that there are what is it six hundred and fifty thousand yes. emails, yeah. and the only ones that have been leaked to the public are the ones from John Gruden. True. Uh, so there's a very interesting side plot to this as to who did that, who was out to get John well, Gruden, and also what are these other six hundred and forty-eight thousand emails or however many other emails there are. That's what Jared and I were talking before the show about that. Like I, I don't know if there's more on John Gruden, but at six hundred fifty thousand emails, there's more on somebody. There's got to be. There there's has no to be. It's not six hundred fifty thousand emails of hey, do you want to go to lunch? <laughs> I mean that that that's not the case. So, what else would be leaked? I mean, look, I'm not. I you're asking who leaked them? If I had to guess, obviously someone in the league. And if Goodell saw the emails that were about him, I'm not putting it past Goodell to Absolutely. you know yeah. have someone to leak them and say, okay, well. You said this about me. You said these about people. Let's see what let's see what happens to you. Yeah, I don't think that's out of the question no. at all. That yeah. Well, John Gruden said what about me? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, well, let's put it out there. Give that to the New York Times and see right. what happens. So the so uh, Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk, his he did not uh, report this as though he had sources telling him, but he had a story where he was saying where he was implying that there would there were there were more emails from John Gruden. And that the NFL was going to keep leaking them until they actually fired John Gruden. Okay. That basically, I don't, they, I don't that, discount that. That they leaked the first one and basically was like, here's email number one. And Mark Davis didn't do anything about it. And then they sent, and, and then after that, they kept leaking them publicly and that they were going to keep doing it until Mark Davis actually fired John Gruden or John Gruden resigned as he actually did. I don't, I don't disagree with that at all. I think they leaked them. Yeah. And I think it goes back to the original point of, if they had these, if they had these emails that the New York Times wrote about on Friday, I believe. Yep, I uh, think on Friday, Raiders like, put out a statement yeah, on Friday uh, saying we seen the email, yes. we are reviewing this and other materials, and other materials, and that's when the red flag went up and said, okay, stay tuned because yeah. obviously they have more, and they let him coach on Sunday, and that was wrong, and now he's gone, and yeah, I mean Mark Davis, I think made a grave mistake in letting him coach. I mean, and the other thing is. If if they would have bounced him or or had him resign before Sunday, do you think that the New York Times still still gets these? Do you think it still if, comes out? If Let's we're say going they off, fired him after the first one. If we're going off Mike Florio's premise, then no, because no. the NFL leaked it as a way publicly leaked it as a way to get John Gruden to force right. Gruden out. So no, probably not. Now, I'm sure some way or another we find out. Like if John Gruden got fired for that one email about D. Maurice Smith, right? then I'm sure somehow, some way, we find out, maybe not the exact phrases that were used, but it's like, oh, there was more. 
Like there yeah, were more there emails. There was more anti-gay, misogynistic. Right. There were pictures, and then right. you just make up your own mind as to what they were. Right. We might not have gotten exactly what they were, but I think there right. would have been at least some reporting of the Raiders had more, yes. or the NFL had more on John Gruden. Which, by the way, to take this back to John Gruden, I I feel like insulted that John Gruden tried over the weekend yep. to pass this off as I just love football so much and right. was mad at people. Right. And he was like, oh, this was it was during the lockout, and I was mad that there was going to be no football. This was seven years of email. And this was well, not just I'm mad at the NFL Players Association head. This was he's just homophobic and misogynistic yes. and racist. Like, that's just what it is. Now, I also think, you know, for him to say, I don't remember writing it. You don't remember writing like 100 of them? <laughs> I mean, I don't remember writing that. Maybe he didn't rem- remember that particular one. But believe me, when he heard that they had emails, he knew there was more than one. I, I say it so often. I don't remember which time I said it. I mean... I, I only I don't remember saying it, and I don't have a racist bone in my body. Yeah. Oh, for God's sake! I mean, does he have a homophobic bone, a misogynistic I don't bone? Know. It was you know, it was embarrassing. Embarrassed the franchise, embarrassed himself. Apparently, that exists in the brain, not in the bones. Yeah, that's it's unreal. And by the way, I, not anywhere close to the important part of this story. Bruce Allen using the team email yeah. to do this. What the yeah. hell are you doing? Like, come on! Like this is like when Hugh Freeze was using his Ole Miss phone to like call other women to prostitutes to sleep with like what are you doing at least use your own phone don't use the one that anybody could get access to a lot of it has to do with the ego and the arrogance of people in powerful positions yeah they're just egomaniacs who think i can't be touched bruce allen was president of that that franchise and these are egomaniacs and i mean and and very very um self-entitled people who believe that things can't touch them because here's the thing if John Gruden and Bruce Allen had been sending these emails back and forth. And instead of Bruce Allen using Bruce Allen at Washington football team.com, he was using Bruce Allen at hot Yahoo or something. Yeah. We wouldn't know about this. No, no. But these would not be public today because the no. NFL would not have gotten their hands on them no. in terms, in terms of this investigation. So, you know, don't use your team email idiots. All right. Coming up next, the golden Knights open the season tonight. It's been a while since I've had that playoff atmosphere and, um, you know the the stadium was rocking. You know, obviously it's a it's a different game here at our field. You know, you play at Minute Maid, and you know they're they're doing something over there that's a little different. You know, it shows you how many uh, swings and misses they had tonight compared to at Minute Maid. So, uh, you know, that's why you have home field advantage. And you know, tomorrow we look tomorrow, and you know we got another home field advantage. So we're ready to go. It's the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Don't know who that is. I know it's not a Dodger, but he should have thrown some Giants. I'm sure there'll be some Giants coming up, believe me. <laughs> so, we got a hockey game tonight. Golden Knights open the season against the Seattle Kraken. I do have a fun question for you about the Golden Knights. Do you believe that the Seattle Kraken can ruin some of the mystique around the Golden Knights? Golden Knights are the most successful expansion franchise ever. Go to the Stanley Cup final in year one. Won the division in year one. If the Seattle Kraken are, you know, good, make the playoffs in their first year, does that kind of ruin some of the Golden Knights? Because, hey, this other team kind of did the same thing as you. I think it ruins some of the mystique because as we went over, they didn't have the advantages, I think, in the draft. So if they come and make the playoffs, I'm not saying it's as impressive as going to the Stanley Cup final your first year, but it's pretty damn impressive. So... 
yeah, I mean, I, I could see some people saying, hey, wait a minute, we thought it couldn't happen. We thought they were special. Uh, you know, expansion teams aren't supposed to do that. They're supposed to be brutally bad, at least for the first few years. So, yeah, I think if they step up and make the playoffs, there'd be a little comments about that going back to the Golden Knights for sure. So here's here's where it ties into me because the Golden Knights, their first year, now everybody projected the team to be very bad. But once the team was good, one of the general criticisms was that the Golden Knights were handed a good team, that the expansion draft rules gave them a good team. Now, again, before the season actually started, nobody predicted them to actually be any good. But once they were proven to be good, that became the criticism. Wasn't Jonathan Barso like a fourth-line player? No, he he Um, and Riley Smith were solid. I mean, they weren't as good as they were now. Well, Riley Smith was. He scored 20 goals every other year for his entire career. But... That was the criticism was that, oh, well, you guys got handed a good team because the NHL had to make sure that the first the, your uh, first year was a good year. If Seattle makes the playoffs under the same expansion draft rules as the Golden Knights, there becomes a lot more credence to that argument than there was before. It also, oh, see, I was just going to say there, wouldn't there be more credence that hockey is dumb? Just start a hockey team. There's a good chance you can make the playoffs. It is dumb. Yeah, it is. Especially if you're in that division. Right. And that's, but that's probably (laughs) the bigger key is that both expansion teams have been put into the Pacific division, which means both expansion teams have been put into the worst division in hockey in the NHL over the last four or five years. And it's much easier to make the playoffs as we sit here today. The Golden Knights are the favorites to win this division. They are a legitimate Stanley Cup contender. Who is the second best team in the Pacific Division? Well, I mean, I'm going to say the Kings, obviously. Oh, my God. Going back, you, are you doing this again with back. the Kings? I mean, are you doing it with the, t- the shirt you have on? You've got to support the team. The man. Astros are actually good. Well, but you got to support your team. Even if your team's bad, you got to support your team. <laughs> you know? I mean, it's you, you, can't, you can't walk away from it just because they're not very good. I, I don't know who the second best team is in, in, in the division. I mean, Edmonton? Probably because of McDavid. Probably, Dreisel, but I mean, that's it. There is not a second Stanley Cup contender in this division. Oh, Stanley Cup contender. Well, no, I, no. I, I just asked you who the second best was, but, I, but I'll say Edmonton's right. the second best. But, but I so, don't know if there is. I don't think they're a Stanley Cup contender. So this division, it's it's not that crazy no. that Seattle finishes third. Like hell, it's not that crazy. Seattle finishes second. If we end the year with Seattle's the second best team in the division, that would not be that bizarre. So I do think again. Nobody thought the Golden Knights were going to be good, but if Seattle makes the playoffs in their first year, it's going to be really easy to look back and say, well, of course the Golden Knights were good. Seattle was good, too. Right. You, you had a great expansion draft. But So you're saying it doesn't take any shine off with no, the I'm Golden Knights? No, yeah, I'm saying it will. I'm saying I agree. Yeah, I'm saying it, it absolutely will yeah. if they're good. Now, I don't think now, it matters. If they matters. finish last. Yes, if they finish last. Then people say, look what the Golden Knights did. They're yeah, the best. Georgia Fee can look around and say, ho-ho, yeah. look at me. But if look what know, I did. Seattle makes the playoffs, then you look around and say, well, you're not that special, George. Come on. Seattle did it. They didn't. They had a terrible expansion draft, too. They went a little crazy over at City National yesterday when it was shown that George McPhee and Kelly McCrimmon were apart from each other. One was in the office. One was outside watching practice, both on the phone. Oh, okay. Do you think they're on the phone together? Okay. So, <laughs> Hello, George. It's for those Kelly. of you that don't know the way City National <laughs> set up, you can sort of see into the offices of the Golden Knights. And then they also have a perch where they can come out and sort of watch practice. If I was George McPhee and Kelly McCrimmon... Every time the media was there, I would walk out onto that perch and pretend I was on the phone. Yeah. Every single well, time. And this time and this time Kelly was inside, George was outside, and they're both holding up their phones. And I so wanted them to George say, You want to go to lunch? <laughs> yes. Let's go over to McKenzie or what kind of pizza you want? I can order it right now. And yet if they're both on the phones, 
I could see some people thinking, Jack Eichel? <laughs> Jack Eichel? Are they are, are they are they swinging a deal? I I it was great. I just I wanted so badly to find out that they were talking to each other. Uh so Peyton Krebs is probably playing tonight for the Golden Knights. Uh, Nick Waugh and Brett Howden are expected to be out. Will Carrier is still in concussion protocol. Matthias Janmark is in COVID protocol, which means your third line is probably Peyton Krebs on the left wing, Nolan Patrick at center, and Evgeny Dadnov at right wing. Wasn't that always going to be the third line? Well, it was supposed to be Matthias Janmark, not Peyton Krebs. But Matthias Janmark's yeah. out because of COVID. Um, the question is, who the hell is on the fourth line tonight? Because, know, because of the three names you got here, I know Colasar. <laughs> if Nick Waugh, Brett Howden, and Will Carrier are out, those are three guys, along with Keegan Colasar, that were kind of expected to play on the fourth, the fourth line this line. year. And three of them are out, which leaves you with Colasar. And so the last preseason game, Jake LeCision and Jonas Ronberg played on the fourth line. So maybe it's those guys. Uh, I think it was Jack Dugan is actually on the Golden Knights <laughs> opening roster. Now that could just be... Some they're trying to get their long-term IR set up properly and he can be sent down immediately if they need to. But uh, yeah, who's on the fourth line? I have no clue who's playing on the fourth line for the Golden Knights tonight. Does Jake and Jonas, uh, if they get if they get shots on goal, are they more accurate than Kolasar? Probably. Or is this going to be a lot a of missed shots? Preseason. He scored, well, in practice, I should say. He missed the net Wait. in the last preseason game. He scored in practice. In practice? According to reports, he was scoring in practice. <laughs> practice? Yeah. Let's preseason practice. games, though, he's missing the net. So, yeah, I think if anybody shoots on they got a better chance of putting it on net than Keegan Colasar. So, who the hell knows who's going to be on the fourth line tonight? But the optimistic part or the exciting part of that is that Peyton Krebs is almost guaranteed to be in the lineup tonight for the Golden Knights. Is it because Peyton Krebs actually earned a spot in the lineup? Not necessarily. There's a lot of guys that are out that have contributed to that. So, we'll see what Peyton Krebs gets, and we'll see, honestly how long he gets here because Jan Mark and the COVID protocol, you know, they're hundred percent vaccinated. He could be back pretty soon. Will Carrier's concussion protocol. We have no idea. Like <laughs> Will Carrier could be back tomorrow. Could be out for two weeks, a month or something yeah, like that. And then Nick Waugh and Brett Howden, we don't actually have significant details on that. So it could just, it in all seriousness could be like one game and all of a sudden, okay, everybody's back and Nick, uh, excuse me, that Peyton Krebs is out of the lineup again, but hopefully we get to see him in this game. And, a few more games in the future to see how Peyton Krebs is. The Kraken could be without five players due yes. to COVID? Uh, Yarn Crook, Marcus Johansson, Jared McCann, Jamie Alessiak, and Jonas Donskoy, all on the COVID protocol list yesterday. So, And that's five guys that are... I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I know the Kraken's lineup, but that's five guys that are probably in their lineup if they're able to play. Gary Bettman was on the show before us. Four players, he said, four players will start the season who are un- unvaccinated. Pretty good, pretty good Very number good. for the NHL throughout the for entire NHL, the yeah. entire league. Yeah, four <laughs> players. He said all personnel, coaches, media director, you know, media directors, assistant coaches are all vaccinated. Every yeah. one of them. So four players. I think that's so Vander Kane and three yeah. others. Yeah, and three others. Um, <laughs> I think that's actually a really good number. That I is think a that's good, it's, really it's impressive. A great number. Yeah, it is impressive. All right, coming up next, David Roth joins the show. Is Tyler a know-it-all? Can you prove him wrong? Tweet at Bischoff underscore Tyler and at Ed Graney. We're happy to talk to him. He just seems happy to talk to anyone. David Roth from The Defector is with us on the Press Box. Subscribe to The Distraction on Stitcher and use the promo code DISTRACT for a free month of Stitcher Premium. David Roth joining us now from The Defector. Check out Defector.com. 
Uh, David, so we have John Gruden resigning as the head coach of the Raiders after what? some emails Wait, what? went public. Yeah, you haven't heard about this? Pretty no, big news. yeah, I was, I was mostly uh, doing a lot of reading last night. Yeah. So, wow, that's crazy. We'll, we'll email you everything that happened. <laughs> so, Thanks. Um, I, I guess outside of the John Gruden and the Raiders side of this, this is all. This all came down because there's 650,000 emails that the NFL and the DEA are looking through regarding Washington's trainer who is like selling prescription drugs. Um, so it seems like a very targeted like attack on John Gruden. I'm just curious. Does does anybody else end up resigning over what's in these emails? I'm really curious about that part of it because I think that. The Gruden thing, you know, you don't want to say it's like cut and dry or whatever, but like everybody's seen the stuff and everybody knows that it would be very difficult and also maybe gross for him to keep doing his job. The stuff that's in there, the Bruce Allen side of it, is the thing that I think is going to keep kind of mushrooming. It was mentioned in the Times story about it that um, among the other, you know, having a like who knows the most slurs contest through the work email for a few months, like beyond that. <laughs> that Alan was sharing pictures of the, in the New York Times way of describing it, women wearing only bikini bottoms, which is <laughs> scandalous for the New York Times. I think that those were probably, if you remember the story about the Washington football team cheerleaders from a few mm-hmm. years ago where they were sure. talking about Snyder sending boosters and buddies down there to like just basically try to look up their dresses on a, on yeah. a calendar shoot. I think if those are pictures of women from that, cheerleading team, which I imagine that they are, that I think that that's like, this is going to be the first NFL team getting charged with like revenge porn stuff. Like it's really like, there's no limit to how gross and bad the Washington side of this could get, I think. Well, and we asked before you came on, we talked about Bruce Allen having the ego and the, the you know, just the entitlement. And it seems like these guys all have this, that he actually yeah. used his work email. That part of it is incredible to me because it's, I mean, I've never had an important job in my life. Like, this is honestly what I'm doing right now, uh, which is bothering the people that get up very early in Las Vegas. This is like the most impactful <laughs> thing I've done professionally. But the idea that, like, one thing that you get, you know, that I've started a job someplace is do not put anything in your work email that you would not be prepared to read in the newspaper. Mm-hmm. But that's just like how it is. And that stuff is subpoenable. And, in this case, like I think that that's the the sort of like that's the Washington football team problem in a nutshell is just that there's a great deal of job security there because like it's all a boys club or at least you know there was, but there's no accountability of any kind because the the person who would theoretically be the owner of the desk where the buck stops is probably the creepiest dude in the entire organization is Dan Snyder, and so there's. Beyond, like, how stupid it is, like, just, like, it's an OPSEC issue, you know, it's got its own issues to it. The idea that just, like, this is what these guys are doing, every one of the stories that's come out of that organization, it just doesn't seem like there's any work getting done. It's just everyone kind of running around playing grab ass and trying to see how much fireable stuff they can get away with because they, like, played golf with the right guy once. On the Raiders' side of this, uh supposedly Mark Davis had these emails that went public in the New York times yesterday. He had these last week on Friday. Uh, the statement the Raiders put out said they had other materials they were reviewing even for Mark Davis. It's pretty shocking. He didn't fire John Gruden when he read those the first time. Right? Yeah, I, I would kind of think so. I mean, and I, I didn't see, you know, I saw red zone bits and, you know, looked at the box score. I didn't like break down the all 22 on their game <laughs> Sunday. 
it did not seem like a team that was playing uh, the sort of like, you know, there's still the Raiders like earlier in the season. That was not a focused effort. Like it really kind of seemed like a bunch of guys that would rather be elsewhere. And that's the thing that happens to Gruden over the course of, you know, like with every coach, like all of the real rah-rah guys at some point, like the team quits on them and then they have a four win season and then they go back to doing television again. That's like the circle of life. If you're that type of coach in this case, it just seemed like the light went out like overnight because they were not, they're not perfect, but they were really spunky through four weeks. And then in week five, they just sort of seemed like they were playing with a sinus headache. And Uh, that's, does John yeah, Gruden, I totally understandable in retrospect. Does John Gruden work again in football? That's a good question. Uh, I think it would be a long time before he got another coaching job uh, for obvious reasons, but also because I think that like he was already a little bit of an antique. I don't think that this is going to necessarily hurt the actual on-field product for the Raiders. I mean, it's going to cost them a bunch of money, and it's embarrassing. I don't really know that he's like a, a 2021 coach to me. Right. The question is going to be, putting him back on TV. And I feel like that's, it's weird. Like I can't imagine it not happening. And yet from this vantage point, like the day after the resignation and with all of this stuff still, you know, to come out, I have a really hard time imagining hearing him calling a football game. It's just sort of like, I know how this stuff works and he's just good enough at it to do it again. You know, it's the sort of thing where like Bill Cower, for instance, who I thought was like a decent enough studio analyst and a very good football coach at some point was also enough of a human being that he was just kind of like, well, I'm definitely not coaching. Yet. It's not fun. Like I want to like spend time with my grandkids or whatever. I don't think John Gruden wants to do anything but talk football. And so like he's out there and sooner or later, I think that like TV executives are motivated by the bottom line. Uh, another group of people that are generally not especially accountable to anyone else. And I think as soon as they get the sense that they can get away with it, I wouldn't be surprised if he was back to TV. But I can't imagine him getting hired as a coach. I mean, can you? No, not at all. I don't, I, I don't. It's not worth it. What What does he bring? I mean, like you said, I don't. We were thinking about it yesterday. Who the next Raiders coach would be? And the first five names were kind of like those twenty-one progressive coaches, and no one like him. So I would think around the league, as you see Staley and these other guys, what would he bring to the table? Except all this controversy, you'd have to explain away of why you'd bring him in. Right. I mean, I think, and that's, and he's not the type of coach. There's plenty of of like objectively old guys coaching in the NFL. Like, I mean, he's the way he's styled is different, but like Bruce Arians is is in his Mm seventies. It's just like, there's certain types of coaches that will bring in young assistants and delegate and trust them and be willing to, you know, uh, take accountability when the, when the team fails. I Gruden is not naturally, I think the most sharing guy when it comes to attention or spotlight or responsibility. And like, you know, there's always been coaches like that. I just feel like this is one of those things where, like, anybody that the Raiders get next is going to probably, I don't want to say get more out of it, because I honestly think the team has been pretty tough this year. It's just one of those things where I think that, like, having an openness to new ideas that uh, Gruden does historically not have, or at least hasn't shown in this second stint, like, of course, it's going to help the team. I mean, it's like beyond what we know of his like dinosaur opinions of the rest of the human race. There were reasons to, you know, think that he was backwards just if you only watched game tape. Jeff Fisher, the next head coach of the Raiders. Um, that's what I'm, I think that's the way to do it. If you want to commit, that guy's, if you need seven <laughs> wins, he's going to get you seven. And if you need eight, he's probably going to find a way to get seven and a half. Maybe he would be a, probably the best offer. Uh, something more fun. I want to ask you did you know either of these rules that A, 
you can just let a ball bounce off your hip and over the fence and it counts as a ground rule double or B that you can run two feet on the grass to first base, get hit by a baseball and it is not interference. Uh, those are those are new to me. I learned those rules about 48 hours ago with the rest of the baseball watching public. The Hunter Renfro one was the funniest to me because, uh, like, I don't think he was trying to sort of like soccer dude the ball over the fence <laughs> with his lower body. But it's also like the thing with watching Hunter Renfro play the outfield is that you don't really know what he's trying. <laughs> and so it's like somebody like it's like uh, watching an 18 wheeler try to parallel park or something like that. You're like, well, he's doing his best, but like this is not the ideal equipment for this. And so the idea of him just running into a baseball with mucho gusto and propelling it into the stands, like if he was trying to do it, hats off. If he wasn't trying to do it and he was trying to like stab it cleanly and make a strong throw to second base, like that would also fit. I I literally, I mean, I didn't know either rule. But running on the grass, when uh, Tyler said that rule yesterday, I was actually shocked at that because the whole thing when you grow up in Little League, oh, run between the box, run between the box. That's right. why they put the chalk out. You know, they put the chalk out of that line. You must be within that line. And when we heard the rule two days ago, I'm like, wait. He, and I saw it. He's running in the grass, and it's okay. Like, that, going way back as far as I've watched baseball, like, I didn't even know that was, a, like, allowed. Me either. And certainly the thing that blew my mind about that rule was that it's apparently different because the throw was from first to home yeah. instead of from yes. home to first, yes. <laughs> which I guess it's like funny to think that in the rule book, someone actually had that thought and was like, well, here's a scenario. The guy's running like halfway between the pitcher's mound and the baseline on a ball that's hit down to first base and then, and like waving a net to try to catch the ball at the first base and going to throw back. What would we do in that scenario? Like, I've watched a lot of baseball, and not to put too fine a point on it, a lot of Mets baseball. Like, I've seen the <laughs> dumbest things that you could possibly see in a game, and every bit of that scenario was totally new to me, including the fact that it was, like, possible to make it 25% dumber than I would have guessed just based on the outline of it. Would Red Sox-Braves be a boring World Series or a fun World Series? I mean, they're not that good. Uh, but I think by the time we got there, everybody that cares about baseball would be so mad that I would fully be into it. I think. <laughs> but like, if it's to the point where like Nick Pavetta's throwing those high leverage innings in like late October for a team that uh, made the playoffs with three hours left in the season, yeah, I think that that would be the sort of thing that gets people heated enough. The Braves are are kind of fun in their way, but they're like. You know, as close as I can come to saying that as a fan of a team that's in their division. But teams like that that make the World Series, it's always cool when they make it because for like two weeks, you're basically like, what is Adam Duvall's Hall of Fame case? I think we need to talk about this. <laughs> and then, like, at some point, they always turn back into the like solid guy grade players and stop being Joe DiMaggio grade dudes. <laughs> and so that race against time thing is fun. I just don't know, like, uh, like, if it was a World Series with two teams that I kind of barely thought belonged in the postseason, I think I'd be a little salty about it. Well, he is David Roth from Defector. Check out Defector.com. David, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks, David. Thanks, guys. Hang in there. Take care. Bye. Too. Coming up next, we'll jump into the baseball playoffs. Dodgers can't score a run. Our stats hogwash. Are you tired of hearing Tyler do math on the radio? Call the Press Box voicemail and let us know. 702-720-4678. Swing. There's a drive to left center field. It's going to win it. Meadows goes over and makes the catch. Santana tags. Here he comes. And the throw is very wide and late. And the Red Sox have won the division series. Red Sox walk it off 6-5. to five. On an 0-1 pitch. Hernandez. Lifts it up. 
you're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff. How was the national call more exciting than the local play-by-play call? That I mean, guy was just like, eh, and the Red Sox have won a random game in July to improve to 59 and 33. I, nothing will ever top the Marlins call that I found the one time where it's like, and the Marlins have done it. <laughs> but that was at least a regular season game. More right? than an Alabama guy. He didn't even tell us if the kick went through. Oh, Ed, are the Dodgers going to score a run? I don't know. I I told Jared I almost thankful that uh, the red alert 911 came on John Gruden. I couldn't watch it. There's no way we were working the Gruden stuff last night. So I I kept refreshing the phone. They'd get a couple on and an inning with the one out. I'm like, all right, someone's going to get hit. They're going to score here. And they never did. So two games now, you don't score a run. You got to credit the Giants. You know, I mean, I, I didn't uh, maybe because I was so zoned out from writing last night. They lost. And I'm like, eh, they lost 1-0. Like, I didn't really even respond because if you score zero, it's tough to win. Uh <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think they're going to win the series. Um, even if they win tonight, they'll go back. So, obviously, Scherzer pitched well enough to win. You give up one run, he's probably in the clubhouse saying, "I'm not signing, re-signing with this team. They can't even get me one run in the playoffs." So, did you see the last out, Gavin Lux fly out no, to center field? But, uh, two two Giants said they thought it was gone, and then the wind held it up. So Jeff Passan tweeted this out. Gavin Lux hit the final pitch of the game, 106.9 miles an hour at a 22 degree launch angle batters this season on balls hit between 106 and 107 miles per hour at a 22 degree launch angle were 55 of 62. That's an eight, eight, seven batting average They've gone out with 38 home runs. Oh, 38 home yeah. 38 times it went out. Yeah. So this season, when you hit a ball that hard with that launch angle, because you get a base hit almost right. 90% of the time. And you hit a home run about 60% okay. of the time. And yeah, the wind, I think, absolutely eh. held that one up. There were there were a handful of hits in that game. Well, not hits, but there were a handful of balls in play in that game that got held up by the wind late there. I saw the one Betts line drive that got caught at short because it was on ESPN. It was like a replay. Yeah, runner in scoring I mean, great position. Play. Crawford great play. jumped yeah. up and took it away. Crawford took it away. Yeah. Dodgers were close. They they Here's the thing. They didn't score a run. They didn't really have an offensive outburst. They had a lot of hard hit balls. Like that was a... That was a game of bad baseball luck. That was a game of they. I think they had of like the ten hardest hit balls. I think they had eight of them in the game in last the game. night. Like that was a game of the Dodgers hit the ball pretty well. They just hit them right at Brandon bad Crawford, <laughs> or the wind held them up. Like it was not necessarily a oh terrible swings or whatever. Just bad baseball. Someone luck. tweeted uh, some of the best defense they've seen in the playoffs. That kind that game. Well, when we I mean, got, I saw Crawford's catch. When we've got Hunter Renfro bouncing balls over yeah, the wall, well, and hell, the Rays made two errors to get the winning run home last night for the Red Sox. So yeah, it's not a, not a high bar to clear so far for best are you defense. Happy, uh, but the Rays are out. Yes, I am because the Red Sox, I think, were the worst team in the American League playoffs coming in. And if the Astros can actually figure out how to get rid of these annoying White Sox, they get to host Game One of the ALCS. Very excited. Very confident. Yeah, I. Very, I mean, yeah, very much so. Astros are pitching their best pitcher today. Come on, it's over. Brewers are about to go out with that pitching staff. It's kind of it's. Well, kinda, they can't score either. It's kind of lining up for you. Yeah, they can't score. Jock Peter. Okay, the, what's the amazing stat here? Uh, Milwaukee is O for uh, their last sixteen with runners in scoring oh. position. O for sixteen in their last in with runners scoring position. And by the way, Jock Peterson now has two pinch hit home runs in this series. Jock Peterson has one of two hits by the Braves in the entire series with a runner in scoring position and the Braves are winning the series. Neither of these teams can hit. It's like, ah, 
that one time Jock Peterson bats a game is going to decide it. That's it. Otherwise, it's it's nobody else is going to score any runs. He's driven it. The Braves scored seven runs in three games. Jock Peterson's driven it in four. four. And he's I not starting. Well. He's not starting. Yeah. He comes off the bench. Because what is it? Peterson, as a lefty, just yes. hammers right-handed yes. pitching. But is like... Awful against lefties. Terrible like, against lefties. He's like would be if he only got to face righties, he'd be like one of the top fifteen players in baseball every year. With lefties, he's Bellinger. When he, he's, and probably worse, honestly. With lefties, he's like, why is that guy shouldn't be in professional baseball? And hell, did you see the pitch he hit out? No. It was a two strike pitch. It was a fastball at his neck, and he caught up and he to caught it. Up to it. And I mean, no doubter. I mean, cranked that thing out of here. Like that's like if you're a pitcher, you're like, what the hell am I supposed right. to do? That guy's not supposed to be able to hit that, and he crushed it. So yeah, the so we have man, Braves Giants. That kind of sucks. It's kind of setting up for you though. Well, I don't, I don't know. I mean, the Giants. It just, it just might be the Giants here. I mean, it just might be the Giants nah, here. To Dodgers win that are going to win the series. I think Dodgers are coming back to win it. He keeps saying these things. Dodgers, I mean, Dodgers are the best team. Dodgers I know Muncy's are the best team. That hurts a little, huh? but the Dodgers are the best team. It, it, it's the it's, best team. Keep saying it. Keep best saying. Team. So okay. you literally got screwed over by the weather. Yeah. <laughs> So, all right, hold on. It took an act of nature for your team to lose one nothing. Today's a bullpen game, correct? Yes. Um, uh, and if it goes five, Urias starts in San Francisco? Ooh, Urias. Well, I Bueller would. Bueller, I don't know. I'm asking. I think, they go, back, I think okay. they go back to one. Although the Giants have owned Bueller, so maybe you're, maybe you're right. Maybe they maybe they would go. Uh, I assume it's Gonsolin, but they have not announced. Um, uh, they have not announced Di Scalfini for uh, the Giants. Okay. By and, the way, Kenley Jansen last night, lights out. Struck out the side in the night. I mean, he was electric. It was like, that's the best reliever in the history of the sport. I mean, he's had enough time off. <laughs> and he, you know, the first game they lose and the second game they don't need him. So he, he's rested at least. I, I got I got optimism for you two. I think I think the Dodgers win the series. Come back from down 2-1 to win the series. They well, were just I down 3-1 watch... in the NLCS last year and came back to win. I won't be able to watch tonight either. Maybe if I don't watch the win, because I'll be at the Kraken game. Oh, man. Your team gets, keeps getting these primetime games. You should get. You should be a fan I of a team that always plays at 11 a.m. game every once in a while. <laughs> Royals. We'll take it. <laughs> the Astros will have played four games in the playoffs, and three of them will have started before 1 o'clock, before one o'clock uh, Pacific time. Or Pacific. Yeah. It's unbelievable. This is a one o'clock game today in, in Chicago, 11 our time. Allows you to go home and uh, sit back. I know. I've said it before. It's a good thing I don't have a real job. <laughs> like, if I had a real job, I'd be so mad. I'd be I'd be furious. I'd be like, what the hell is this? I'd have to I'd have to take I'd have to save time off every year just to watch the Astros at noon in the playoff because they can't get a primetime game in the ALDS. Stupid Dodgers. That's who I blame. It's all their fault.